If you've got a Bible on you, why don't you grab it now? Um, otherwise, words will appear behind me on the screen. We're going to be reading two short readings tonight, one from Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, and one from Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 to 5. So first, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, And thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And then jumping across to Revelation 21 verses one to five, this is what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And we thank God for his word as it still speaks to us today. Hey everybody, it is Christmas. I hope you knew that. Uh, If you're here tonight and that's come as a surprise to you, you're in some trouble, okay? It's Christmas, right? It is such a joy to have you all in our building tonight to lift high the name of Jesus and what has been such a strange, long, painful season for us all. And hopefully by now, okay, you have everything sorted for the big day. A number of years ago, I worked in a Starbucks down the Lisburn Road. I was working on Christmas Eve. We closed up the shop at about 8 p.m. And a very well-to-do man was like trying to knock the door down. Was like, and when I, I mean, I thought something was seriously wrong. Was he like being attacked? Was his house on fire? I don't know what was happening. Eventually, whenever I opened the door, uh, you know, you're furiously trying to get out of there, right? It's Christmas Eve. I want to get home. I don't want to be in work. You open the door. He says, mate, you've got to help me. And I, again, I'm thinking something's going on. He's in deep trouble. I haven't got a present for the wife. That is literally what he said at 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve at a Starbucks. Uh, I was like, there's nothing I can do for you, mate. The tills are closed. I got sworn at, and he then got in his car and drove off at great speed to wherever else he was about to get his wife's Christmas present. Merry Christmas, love. Have a card from the garage. Who knows what she got? Anyway, shopping by now should be done, right? The turkey uh, should be underway. You have braved the war zone that is Tesco before Christmas. Santa is now somewhere over Colombia or something. You know the way you get that tracker to find out where he is. He's somewhere over Colombia, something like that. And the good news is, right, there's one bit of good news in a coronavirus Christmas. It is that your weird auntie or uncle, right, you know the one that says all the inappropriate things, they're not allowed to be with you tomorrow because of coronavirus restrictions. So congratulations, well done. If you are that weird aunt or uncle you've just realized that you're not allowed to be there tomorrow and you've got it about it right it's here and you join us tonight here at central and what is the penultimate session of our christmas series it's the one where i get to pull all of the threads together in many ways and this year at central we've been walking through a christmas series simply called new And it's been all about exploring how in the Christmas story, God was up to something new, something so altogether new. 
that would still be new today and echo on until the day. And in lots of ways, newness is out of step with Christmas, isn't it? Because if we're really honest, Christmas is all about seems, right? There's very little new about Christmas. In fact, we don't actually welcome new things about Christmas, do we? Christmas is all about seems. It's all about the same songs and the same foods. It's all about the same films, the same smells, the same yearly traditions. It's the season probably more than any marked by more sameness than any other. And yet in the birth of Jesus, when we just pause for a moment to try to put ourselves in that scene, in that stable, all of those years ago, God is up to something new. How new? So new that nobody got it. Initially, nobody got it. Romans thought that a fight, an uprising was coming, so much so that they had every firstborn son in Bethlehem killed to try and cut it off before it started. Religious types, they thought that a Messiah was coming who would separate the clean from the unclean. Jewish everyday types, well, they thought there was a revolution coming, somewhat like what they'd seen with the Maccabees before, but this time the Romans would be shattered for good. The Magi came looking for a king. They found a baby in a manger, and throughout the New Testament... The disciples, the ones closest to Jesus, the one who spent every day with him will demonstrate over and over and over again that no matter how many times they hear Jesus teach and demonstrate what he is up to, they still don't understand. That's how new this thing was. And it's important that we see Christmas this way because with all the sameness that our Christmases involve and how comfortable it feels, right? Christmas is like a warm, woolly jumper, isn't it? If it, had a, if it had a description, that's what it is. It has a feel about it. We long for the Coke ad to come on TV, right? The first time you see it, you're like, Christmas is here. Doesn't matter, it started now, right? We long for mince pies and mulled wine. We long for presents under the tree. We long for the way that it makes us feel, don't we? So much so that it feels like when it comes to Christmas and the story of Jesus that we just end up going through the motions, don't we? We get to this day, and we've done it a hundred times before, and we just end up going through the motions. Just another tradition, the same old story in a world of seams. But God is up to something new. And what is really going on here? You see, in Jesus, what happens at Christmas is one part of this huge sweeping story of creation and fall, hope and redemption, restoration, and the world made new. And the thing about Christmas is that the identity of the one who is born is way more profound than the birth itself. This is humanity and divinity. This is the Messiah. This is the hope of the world. And this night, this holy night, we come to celebrate, remember, and reflect all over again on how this, mean, this is the means by which God makes all things new. And there are two things tonight I want to look at as we look at this picture of the world made new, and it's these, new hope and new creation. The first of those is new hope. The film director, Guillermo del Toro, he was the latest in a long line of people to wade into one of the great debates of our time. What is the best Christmas movie, right? I'm quite sure if I had a sample discussion in this room tonight, there would be very little uh, of people who agree, even though the correct answer is Home Alone 2 or Die Hard, right? That has stirred up reaction, right? His answer, The Muppets Christmas Carol, right? That's what he said, right? 
And if you've ever seen it, okay, if you've not seen it, I'm about to ruin it, sorry, right? But it's all about Ebenezer Scrooge. He's an incredibly wealthy man, but he's also a very cold, hard man. And he's visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, future, and present, right? And they show him what his life, you know, how things really were, who he's become, and how that impacts other people. The whole encounter changes him completely, right? And in a way, for all of us, the past present and future collide with us all every Christmas, don't they? The memories, the hopes, the realities, the pains. Somehow Christmas seems to be a time where they all come crashing in and meet us here, don't they? That's why that line in a little town, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, seems to resonate so much with us, doesn't it? The past, the present, and the future they seem to be part of lots of the readings we read, aren't they? And the carols that we sing at Christmas time. So, for example, that final verse in Hark the Herald will say, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, heal the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. In so many of the songs, in so many of the readings, the prophecies of the past and the vision of the future collide in the birth of the present. We hear themes like Easter and resurrection and Pentecost and all sorts of big themes in the songs and the readings that we read. And the thing is that in some ways, right, all births have this habit of bringing it all together. As the father of the child that we just did the Thanksgiving for, right? Well, being in ministry's got to have some perks, right? Not just like a discount in faith mission or something, right? You've got to be able to do some things like have a Thanksgiving for your child on Christmas Eve, right? And as the father of that child, right? You hold the baby in your arms. And in your arms is just a baby, right? It's just a baby. Beautiful, innocent, helpless. And in so many ways, like every other baby, And yet you hold so much more, don't you? In your arms, you hold so much more. You hold the road that has brought you there, whatever that's looked like. You hold the hopes that you have for them and all the potential in the world. What will this child be? And as we come to this tonight, to look at the baby Jesus, we can't look at him and not see what the future holds, can we? We can't look at him and not see what the road ahead will mean. The thing is that it's written right through the readings that we read at Christmas time. So for example, that reading from Micah 5 that we read at carol services will say, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she, is, when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace. It's forward thinking, isn't it? It's forward looking. It's just a baby in the end of the day. How would this baby be strength and power and peace? It's looking forward. It's looking beyond the birth to when he comes back again and the world is made new, made perfect. And that's what we read in our reading tonight from Revelation 21. That's what we read. 
That was the whole point. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. There's that word in that passage, dwell, right? And we read it in verse three. It's the same word that John uses in John one in those famous words, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, right? It's the same word. It actually means more like a tent, right? God set up a tent. He tented amongst us is what it means. In other words, where now God has pitched a tent here, one day it will look more like a city. Where now we only see in part, one day we'll see in full. And we need that picture right now, don't we? Like right now, in our world, right now, we need that picture because our vision of the future changes the way that we live now. That's why one of the things I hear most often these days goes something like this. Well, when this is all over, we can go to a restaurant or we can go to a movie or we can hug people if you're that way inclined, right? We hear that all the time. When this is all over, I'm gonna have all my friends round to the house for the biggest party ever, right? You hear things like that in this moment. And what's really going on is that it's our attempt to look to the future, to how much better it will be than what we know right now, right? To try and lift us through how trapped we feel and how boxed in we feel. And we all do it, don't we? I've lost count of the times I've done it in the last nine months. How many times have you? But here's the problem. We just aren't looking forward far enough for the hope that we need today. We're just not looking forward far enough. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Mere Christianity. Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. We are longing for hope, aren't we? We're looking for hope. Maybe you came here tonight because you're desperate for hope in the world in which we live right now. We're desperate for the world to change, but most of the time, We just aren't looking forward far enough. You know what? I realize as you sit here today, there might be new things for some of you this Christmas that you don't want. There might be an empty seat at the dinner table. There might be a first Christmas without a job to go to in the new year. There might be a world more uncertain than you have ever experienced before. But here's the thing. The Christmas story is one of a new hope, a future hope which comes this night with the birth of this son. And it has to stir us forward. Revelation 21 verse four said this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. What a picture. What an image. Don't you long for that, especially in our world right now? A hope so much greater than just when this is all over. Randy Alcorn wrote this. I've never been to heaven, yet I miss it. Eden's in my blood. 
The best things of life are souvenirs from Eden, appetizers of the new earth. There's just enough of them to keep us going, but never enough to make us satisfied with the world as it is, ourselves as we are. We live between Eden and the new earth, pulled towards what we once were and what we yet will be. Desire is a signpost pointing to heaven. Every longing for better health is a longing for the new earth. Every longing for romance is a longing for the ultimate romance with Christ. Every thirst for beauty is a thirst for Christ. Every taste of joy is but a foretaste of a greater, more vibrant joy than can be found on earth as it is now. That's it, isn't it? That's truly what we long for. When all of the broken things are made new. When everything painful, when everything brutal. When the world is made new. That's the new hope that we live with at Christmas. Not just because of the Christmas story tells us that Jesus is here and hope is available, but because he is here. We know and trust that God is just as serious about what is to come. It's about new hope, and that's what pulls us forward. But secondly, it's about new creation. Isaiah 61 to 3 said this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Like so many of the Christmas readings, it's big picture stuff, isn't it? Like the things we're talking about there, they're like, like out there, big things. There's a sense of scale and greatness of what can and will change because of the birth of Jesus, isn't there? The things we read around the Christmas time, governments will be on his shoulders. He's a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There'll be no end. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your dawn, right? Those are big things, aren't they? Out there things. And in truth, when we look at the world, the change would need to be big, wouldn't it? The truth is, as we look outside at the world, the change that would need to come, it would need to be fairly big change. Like if, we, if you were looking for great news of great, good news of great joy, as Luke's gospel will say, we'd be longing for something that we'd never find in our world, would we? Because it's broken. We're broken. And the thing is that we can't fix it. From broken me to broken families, broken governments, broken economies, and broken systems. And the astonishing thing about what Revelation 21 tells us is that all of the world made new is going to happen right here, right? Sometimes I think it would be easier to think of a heaven somewhere else, right? Like this amazing place that we're all going to go to. But that's not what it says. It happens here. The holy city is here. Jesus, Jesus came to dwell here. And the astonishing thing about it is it's here. But what if what God came to make new was even closer than just the neighborhood? What if the picture we had for the world made new was wide angle, right? Governments and economies and people out there and nations and big things, right? What if the picture we normally carry is one of wide angle and Jesus came to crop it in tight to you? Jesus came to crop it in on you. I've heard my dad at so many Alpha conferences and training sessions say the same quote, right? That he ran Alpha so that he could see lives transformed. The thing he didn't bank on was that the life that would get transformed most was his. 
And that, what if that's what's going on here? You see, we all have things that we would love to see made new, don't we? If we're really honest with ourselves, we all have stuff we would love to be new. Our waistline, our hair color, our 5K time, our bank balance, our employment status, our relationship status, right? All of us have got things we would like to see made new about ourselves, don't we? But the thing about the transformation that Jesus makes in our lives is that we're not in charge of it, are we? See, the thing about a world made you is that it's you and me who gets changed the most. It's not some big thing out there that gets changed most. It's you and it's me. We're looking at all the things out there that need to change and Jesus came first to change everything in here. And that's the new creation. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. In other words, the world made new starts with you and me. We are the first of the new creation. We are the first of the world made all things new. And the thing is that that future is clear for all to see in you, in me, in relationships restored, in bodies healed, in broken hearts made whole, in how people's whole lives get turned around and set in a new course. And we see it by the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in us, animate us, live in us, and we see it in the church where people from every tribe and tongue, from every background and status, where the refugee and the consultant sit side by side as part of one people. Jesus came to make the whole world new and the new creation starts here with you and with me. You know, so often these days when it comes to Christmas in our world, Christ is in the shadows, isn't he? Sidelined, marginalized, we don't tend to want to talk about that bit anymore. But not tonight. Not on Christmas Eve. You see, here's the question. Do you see him? Not just all he is in the Christmas picture, the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger, in a stable in a nowhere town, but all of his life, what it will mean now and forever for the whole world and for you, the full womb to the empty tomb. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. is not just something we sing and long for out there. It starts with you. It starts with me. This Christmas, as we gather around a cradle to see a baby, but what we really see is the potential, right? The destiny, the future, the road ahead, the way of the cross and the light of the resurrection and the promise of his return and this world made all things new. And right now we realize that that means me too. This Christmas, I just, my prayer for you in the middle of all the hustle and bustle and the way that this year has felt so very different to the many that you have had before. Don't miss Jesus. Whether it's a moment tonight or a moment tomorrow, whether he's speaking to you now or he's been on your case all throughout this season, maybe all throughout the times of lockdown that you've endured through this past time, don't miss Jesus. Don't go through the motions. Something new has happened here and it means new hope. You know, hope in our world means kind of helpless, doesn't it? I hope 
this happens. I hope you're okay, doesn't it? We tend to throw out the word hope whenever it's something that's kind of a bit beyond us or we don't really know or even really believe that it's going to happen. The word hope in Jesus' day, hope was a concrete thing. Hope was a firm thing. Hope wasn't helpless and wishful as it is for us now. Hope was the sort of thing you stood with all your weight on. That's the sort of hope we live with. The promise of a world made new. And secondly, it means new creation. And that new creation means you. And it means me. You know what if that day, all of those years ago, would have felt a little bit like this day today? I say that tonight because... The picture of the birth of Jesus, right? It wasn't the Michael Bublé version, right? It wasn't all glitzy and glam. It wasn't glitter. It wasn't a happy time by any stretch of the imagination, right? It wasn't coke lorries and yule logs and all the family merry and bright. That's not the picture of the world into which Jesus was born, right? It was a world of chaos and disruption and disconnection. There was a census on, so the Roman world was moving around, going back to their times of origin. So there was disruption going on. Firstborns were being killed, It was a disorientated world, and yet that was the world he came to. And that's the world he still comes to tonight. The question is, how will you respond? If you came tonight looking for hope, in what is a fairly desperate situation, if you came tonight looking for something new, if you came tonight looking for things to change, Maybe you're just here tonight because somebody invited you and you got forced along. You've bubbled with them now and you're stuck and so you're here, right? Maybe that's why you're here tonight. I want to say to you tonight that the Christmas story means a new hope. It means that we can look further than just than just when this is all over. It means we can look for, you know, there's this weird kind of thing out there in the world where 2021, like the coronavirus is just going to go away in 2021. I don't know how that got there, but somehow loads of people feel it, right? As soon as the clock, you know, strikes 12, coronavirus will be gone, right? What if 2021's worse? Right? What if we're holding out for the vaccine to change everything and our world to just, you know, immediately be made better? What if in some ways it's worse? then we need a hope that looks further than just when this is all over. Secondly, it means new creation. That means you and I. We are the first fruits of a world made new. You get an opportunity in this Christmas season to meet Jesus. And maybe you need to meet him tonight.